Book One, The Pioneers, Chapter Three of the Book of Missionary Heroes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Vernon Schmidt, The King of 192. The Book of Missionary Heroes by Basil Matthews. Chapter Three, The Night of a New Crusade. Raymond Lull. Dates, 1234-1315. A little old man, barefooted and bareheaded, and riding upon an ass, went through the cities and towns and villages of Europe in the 11th century, carrying not a lance, but a crucifix. When he came near a town, the word ran like a forest fire. It is Peter the Hermit. All the people rushed out. Their hearts burned as they heard him tell how the tomb of Jesus Christ was in the hand of the Muslim Turk, of how Christians going to worship at his tomb in Jerusalem were thrown into prison and scourged and slain. Knights sold lands and houses to buy horses and lances. Peasants threw down the axe and the spade with a pike and bow and arrows. Led by knights, on whose armor a red cross was emblazoned, the people poured out in their millions for the first crusade. It is said that in the spring of 1096, an expeditionary force of six million people was heading toward Palestine. The crusades were caused partly by the cruelty of the followers of Muhammad, the Muslim Turks, who believed that they could earn interest into paradise by slaying infidel Christians. The Muslims every day and five times a day turned their faces to Mecca and Arabia, saying, there is no God but God. Mohammed is the prophet of God. Allah, they believe, is wise and merciful to his own, but not holy, nor our father, nor loving and forgiving, nor desiring pure lives. On earth and in paradise, women have no place save to serve men. The first crusade ended in the capture of Jerusalem, July 15, 1099, and Godfrey de Bullion became king of Jerusalem, but Godfrey refused to put a crown upon his head, for he said, I will not wear a crown of gold in a city where our Lord Jesus Christ wore a crown of thorns. The fortunes of Christian and Muslim ebbed and flowed for nearly two hundred years, during which time there were seven crusades ending at the fall of Acre into the hands of the Turks in 1291. The way of the sword had failed though indeed the crusades had probably been the means of preventing all europe from being overrun by the muslims at the time when the last crusade had begun a man was planning a new kind of crusade different in method but calling for just as much bravery as the old kind we are going to hear his story now two the young knight's vision in the far-off days of the last crusades a knight of majorca in a mediterranean sea stood on the shore of his island home gazing over the water raymond lull from the beach of palma bay where he had played as a boy now looked out southward where boats with their tall rakish brown sails ran in from the great sea the knight was dreaming of africa which lay away to the south of his island he had heard many strange stories from the sailors about the life in the harbors of that mysterious african seaboard but he had never once in his thirty-six years set eyes upon one of its ports. It was the year when Prince Edward of England, out on the mad, futile adventure of the Last Crusade, was felled by the poisoned dagger of an assassin in Nazareth, and when Eleanor, 
Yerkel drew the poison from the wound with her own lips. Yet Raymond Lowell, who was a knight so skilled that he could flash his sword and set his lance in rest with any of his peers, had not joined that crusade. His brave father carried the scars of a dozen battles against the Moors. Yet, when the last crusade swept down the Mediterranean, Lowell stood aside, for he was himself planning a new crusade of a kind unlike any that had gone before. He dreamed of a crusade not to the Holy Land, but to Africa, where the croissant of Mohammed ruled, and where the cross of Christ was never seen, save when an arrogant Muslim drew a cross in the sand of the desert to spit upon it. It was the desire of Raymond Lowe's life to sail out into those perilous ports, and to face the fierce Saracens who thronged the cities. He longed for this as other knights panted to go out to the Holy Land as crusaders. He was rich enough to sail at any time, for he was his own master. Why, then, did he not take one of the swift craft that rocked in the bay and sail? It was because he had not yet forged a sharp enough weapon for his new crusade. His deep resolve was that at all costs he would be prepared for every counterstroke of the Saracen whose tongue was as swift and sharp as a scimitar. What powers do we think a man should have in order to convince fanatical Muslims, who knew their own sacred book, the Quran, of the truth of Christianity, control of his own temper, courage, patience, knowledge of the Muslim religion and of the Bible, suggest themselves. 3. The Preparation of Temper So Lowell turned his back on the beach and on Africa, and plunged under the heavy shadows of the arched gateway through the city wall up the narrow streets of Palma. A servant opened the heavy studded door of his father's mansion, the house where Lowell himself was born. He hastened in, and calling to his Saracen slave, strode to his own room. The dark-faced Moor obediently came, bowed before his young master, and laid out on the table manuscripts that were covered with mysterious writing, such as few people in Europe could read. Lowell was learning Arabic from this sullen Saracen slave. He was studying the Quran, the Bible of the Mohammedans, so that he might be able to strive with the Saracens on their own ground. For Lowell knew that he must be master of all the knowledge of the Muslim if he was to win his battles. Just as a knight in the fighting crusades must be swift and sure with his sword. And this is how Lowell spoke of the crusade on which he was to set out. I see many knights, he said going to the Holy Land beyond the seas and thinking that they can acquire it by force of arms. But in the end, all are destroyed before they attain that which they think to have. Whence it seems to me that the conquest of the Holy Land ought not to be attempted except in the way in which Christ and his apostles achieved it, namely by love and prayers and the pouring out of tears and water. Suddenly, as he and the Saracen slave argued together, the Moor blurted out passionately a horrible blasphemy against the name of Jesus. Lowell's blood was up. He leapt to his feet, leaned forward, and caught the Moor a swinging blow on the face with his hand. In a fury, the Saracen snatched the dagger from the folds of his robe and, leaping at Lowell, drove it into his side. Raymond fell with a cry. Friends rushed in. The Saracen was seized and hurried away to a prison cell where he slew himself. Lowell as he lay day after day waiting for his wound to heal and remembering his wild blow at the saracen realized that although he had learned arabic 
he had not yet learned the first lesson of his own new way of crusading the master of himself or the preparation of courage so raymond law at home and in rome and paris set himself afresh to the task of preparing at last he felt that he was ready from paris he rode southeast through forest and across plain over mountain and pass till the gorgeous palaces and the thousand masts of genoa came in sight he went down to the harbor and found the ship that was sailing across the mediterranean through africa he booked his passage and sent his goods with all his precious manuscripts aboard the day for sailing came his friends came to cheer him but lowell sat in his room trembling as he covered his eyes with his hands in chain he saw the firing persecuting saracens of tunis whom he was sailing to meet he knew they were glowing with pride because of their triumphs over the crusaders in palestine he knew they were blazing with anger because their brother moors had been slaughtered and tortured in spain he saw ahead of him the rack the thumbscrew and the boot the long years in a slimy dungeon at the best the executioner's scimitar he simply dared not go the books were brought ashore again the ship sailed with a law the ship is gone said a friend to law he quivered under a torture of shame greater than the agony of the rack he was wrung with bitter shame that he who had for all these years prepared for this crusade should now have shown the white feather he was indeed a craven knight of christ his agony of spirit threw him into a high fever that kept him in his bed soon after he heard that another ship was sailing for africa spite of the protestations of his friends lowell insisted they should carry him to the ship they did so but as the hour of sailing drew on his friends were sure that he was so weak that he would die on the sea before he could reach africa so this time in spite of all his pleading they carried him ashore again but he could not rest and his agony of mind made his fever worse soon however a third ship was making ready to sail this time lowell was carried on board and refused to return the ship cast off and threaded its way through the shipping of the harbor out into the open sea from this moment said lowell i was a new man all fever left me almost before we were out of the sight of land five the first battle passing corsica and sardinia the ship slipped southward till at last she made the yellow coast of africa broken by the glorious gulf of tunis she dropped sail as she ran alongside the busy wharves goletta lowell was soon gliding in a boat through the short ancient canal to tunis the mighty city which was head of all the western mohammedan world he landed and found the place beside the great mosque where the gray-bearded scholars bowed over the korans and spoke to one another about the law of mohammed they looked at him with amazement as he boldly came up to them and said i have come to talk with you about christ and his way of life and mohammed and his teaching if you can prove to me that mohammed is indeed the prophet i will myself become a follower of him the moslems sure of their case called together their wisest men and together they declaimed to lowell what he already knew very well the watchword that rang out from minaret to minaret across the roofs of the vast city as the first flush of dawn came up from the east across the gulf there is no god but god mohammed is the prophet of god yes he replied 
Allah of Muhammad is one and is great, but he does not love as does the Father of Jesus Christ. He is wise, but he does not do good to men like our God, who so loved the world that he gave his Son, Jesus Christ. To and fro the arguments swung until, after many days, to their dismay and amazement, the Muslims saw some of their number waver, and at last actually beginning to go over to the side of law. To forsake the faith of Muhammad is, by their own law, to be worthy of death. A Muslim leader hurried to the Sultan of Tunis. See, he said, this learned teacher of law is declaring the errors of the faith. He is dangerous. Let us take him and put him to death. The Sultan gave the word of command. A body of soldiers went out, seized law, dragged him through the streets, and threw him into a dark dungeon to wait the death sentence. But another Muslim, who had been deeply touched by Law's teaching, craved audience with the Sultan. See, he said, this learned man Law, if he were a Muslim, would be held in high honor, being so brave and fearless in defense of his faith. Do not slight him. Banish him from Tunis. So, when Law in his dungeon saw the door flung open and waited to be taken to his death, he found to his surprise that he was led from the dungeon through the streets of Tunis taken along the canal, thrust into the hold of a ship, and told that he must go in that ship to Genoa and never return. But the man who had before been afraid to sail from Genoa to Tunis, now escaped unseen from the ship that would have taken him back to safety in order to risk his life once more. He said to himself the motto he had written, He who loves not lives not. He who lives by the life cannot die. He was not afraid now even of martyrdom. He heard among the wars and gathered his converts about him to teach them more and more about Christ. 6. The Last Fight At last, however, seeing that he could do little in hiding, Lowell took ship to Naples. After many adventures during a number of years in a score of cities along the seas, the now white-haired Lowell sailed into the curved bay of Bugia farther westward along the African coast. In the bay, behind the frowning walls, the city, with its glittering moss, climbed the hill. Behind rose two glorious mountains, crowned with the dark green of the cedar, and far off, like giant moors wearing white turbans, rose the distant mountain peaks, crowned with snow. Lowell passed quietly through the arch of the city gateway, which he knew so well. For, among other adventures, he had once been imprisoned in this very city. He climbed the steep street and found a friend who hid him away. There, for a year, Lowell taught in secret till he felt that the time had come for him to go out boldly and dare death itself. One day, the people in the marketplace of Bajia heard a voice ring out that seemed to some of them strangely familiar. They hurried toward the sound. There stood the old hero with armed uplift declaring in the full blaze of the north african day the love of god shown in jesus christ his son the saracens murmured they could not answer his arguments they cried to him to stop but his voice rose even fuller and bolder they rushed on him dragged him by the cloak out of the marketplace down the streets under the archway to a place beyond the city walls there they threw back their sleeves took up great jagged stones and hurled those grim messengers of death at the apostle of love till he sank senseless to the ground 
it was word for word over again the story of stephen the speech the wild cries of the mob the rush to the place beyond the city wall the stoning did lull accomplish anything he was dead but he had conquered he had conquered his old self for the lull who had in a fit of temper smitten the saracen slave now smiled on the men who stoned him and the lull who had shown the white feather of fear at genoa now defied death in the market-place of Bugia. and in that love and heroism in face of hate and death he had shown men the only way to conquer the scimitar of mohammed the way in which christ and his apostles achieved this namely by love and prayers and the pouring out of tears and blood End of chapter three